new sermon series going to lead us through the end of the year uh, talking about uh, holidays and we're going to look at them from God's perspective because we should look at everything in our life from God's perspective amen so we need to learn about uh, some things that uh, God wants to teach us through scripture um, about instead of calling them holy holidays let's call them holy days and because that's what God calls them and if we we'll look in our uh, Bible in Leviticus chapter 23 we'll see that uh, that's where the okay my sister's texting me will Saturday the 26th be okay for dinner about 2 so that be okay for everybody about 2 at mom's if anybody wants to go to mom's for dinner I get apparently that's where we're going to have dinner so uh, yeah the purpose of this series is to equip the church our Bethesda family in the biblical history of holidays God himself rested on the seventh day after he had created the universe and everything in it look at, look at your neighbor and say I'd be tired too can you imagine? I've tried to build stuff before, and I, it takes forever just to build something. And God created the universe and everything in it in a week. Have you ever thought about that, how much uh, work that is? But he is all-powerful, so it wasn't because he was tired. He didn't rest because he was tired. And some people uh, has a misconception of that and think that God had to rest because he was so tired after building all this. But he's all-powerful. That means he never runs out of power. So he didn't get tired in making this stuff. And in building things, I get tired. I don't know about you, Sean. If you go to work all day and they actually make you work, I get tired. Right, Jason, you know how it is when Amy sends you out there and says, go get this done by the end of the day. You get tired. It's, it's a tired thing when you work all the time. But it's, it's not about that, that God didn't get tired. It's just that he rested. And in doing that, he established... A weekly uh, holy day on the seventh day for all of his people. And that's called the Sabbath. So if you study Jewish uh, history and uh, Judaism, even Jews today, they take and they celebrate a weekly rest. It's known as the Sabbath. And that weekly Sabbath is from uh, sundown Friday to sundown Saturday. Their days don't go from midnight till midnight like ours does. It goes from sundown to sundown. So that's the way their day is, is, is calculated so it's a little bit different than us so they rest all the way from sundown on Friday all the way through sundown on Saturday and we see all through the New Testament that Jesus uh, he's always being plagued by people that's worried about how he treats the Sabbath because some people uh, especially Jews in that day in that era and they still do today there are certain uh, laws in the Talmud that you're not allowed to even walk so many steps on a Sabbath you can only take so many paces away from your house on a Sabbath day and they'll count them I mean they they get down to the nitty-gritty of this stuff and they it actually becomes a burden because then you can't rest and God didn't intend for it to be a burden on us he intended for it to for it to cause us some rest so as we're thinking about this that God established that Sabbath day the Sabbath for you to enjoy look at your neighbor and say you need to rest 
Does anybody need any rest in here? Is anybody tired? Just feels like your life is tired. God wants you to have rest. I thank God that we live in a America, the land where that we have uh, civil laws, that the laws require uh, that you be paid time and a half as a penalty on a contractor or a, a business or your boss. It's a penalty on them if they work you more than 40 hours. I'm, I'm thankful for that, ain't you? I, I'm glad that I don't have to work more than 40. Uh, sometimes you have to if, they, if there's something going on and they force you to work that overtime, then they're uh, required to pay you time and a half. And on Sundays, it's double time with us. It, where I work, they are forced to pay double time because it's a Sunday. You shouldn't have to work on a Sunday. And I thank God for living in the land where these laws are in place that gives us rest. But that gives you a whole weekend. How many enjoys weekends? Amen. That's a God-sent thing. That's an awesome thing, a weekend. It's supposed to be a weekend of rest. But sometimes I have these weekends where that I'll just tell Leslie, you do whatever you want. You go wherever you want. You just, because she runs just wide open all the time, just wears me out watching her. And I'm like, I am sitting in my chair, and I'm doing nothing. It's a Saturday for me, usually. It's a day that I'm allowed to just... And I mean, she'll bring me a, a bologna sandwich and a Mountain Dew and some chips and maybe a little Debbie, you know, and sit there and me enjoy it, just sitting in my love seat and not having to do anything. And it, it's supposed to be restful to do nothing. And that's what some people think the Sabbath is, is a day to do nothing. But you can sit there in that chair doing nothing and still end up tired. You didn't receive rest. And I was watching some Jewish uh, uh, teachers on the internet on some uh, YouTube channels and stuff and thinking about this. And one of them said the, the rest that God invites us to is not about doing nothing, but it actually does require a little bit of work because he invited the children of Israel and told them to always meet together on the Sabbath day. And when they would meet together under these solemn assemblies that, that they would, they would uh, find rest for their souls. And that word rest, he said, is like restoration. Restoration is getting back to what God intended you to do. So when we come to a church service and, and a Sabbath day, it takes work to get up and get ready and get the kids ready and, and fight all the way here, you know, arguing and griping until you walk through the door and then you smile real big like, oh, it's just, everything is perfect. This was the best car ride ever. I'll be sitting there smiling because her and Dusty must do that every trip or something. I don't know. It's It's... It's not, uh, but when you get here, and when we come, it takes work to get here. But that work that we put into getting here, we should desire that God restore us in these services. That he brings restoration in these services. So that my soul has rest. Not my physical body, my soul. My inner man, my spirit man. And if it has rest, I am more enthused about the rest of the week. Amen. It's, it's, and, and the thing is, the, the Sabbath day is the final day of the week. Sunday is actually the first day of the week. And in Christianity, we've kind of got it messed up a little bit. We started worshiping on the first day of the week when the Jews all worship on Friday night to Saturday. That's their Sabbath day. And then on Sunday is the first day of the week with them. And they don't even have those terms. And they don't call it uh, Sabbath day uh, or uh Sunday or Monday or Tuesday or any of that stuff. Jews don't even use those terms. They say it's the first, first day, second day, third day, fourth day, fifth day, sixth day, and Sabbath day. That's the way their week goes, and it starts on Sunday. So if they're going to meet somebody for lunch, it'll be like, I'll meet you on the third. It's the third day of the week, and they'll meet you for lunch. 
So they don't say, I'll meet you Tuesday for lunch, I'll meet you the third for lunch. So it's an odd way of doing things, but that's the way that the Jewish people have held those customs throughout uh, time. So in, in holy days, holy days, not holly, because that's reminding me of Greg and his holly bushes and his dog and just everything, you know, Greg, everything around Greg uh, speaks of Christmas and uh, the living room's Christmas and all the paintings in the house are Christmas and, and it's just that Christmas is enjoyable. He enjoys the holidays, not holy days. So this, as we think about this, that, that God wants us to have this rest, he also spoke and, and instructed Moses about this rest to celebrate what God had done. And he, he, he instructed Moses with these feasts or these holidays in the Jewish calendar to let the children of Israel know that they needed to look back through the year and thank God for everything he had done. We are to look backwards sometimes and thank God for some of the things he's brought us through. Some of the places, and you know, looking back over my uh, life as a Christian, that I can think about how far God has brought me from since 1999. He's, he's took me a long way, and He's brought me a long way along this journey. But I need to be thankful to Him for all the things He's done. So He instructs Moses to have these holidays so that we can have uh, time marks where that we can remember things by. And these uh, holy days that God instructs, we're going to study throughout the remainder of this sermon series. So all the way to the end of the year, we're going to study different holy days in uh, Judaism as far as their custom because that's what Scripture teaches us. And the, the holidays that we have in America, we celebrate Christmas and Easter and Labor Day and Memorial Day and Veterans Day. And we've got all these days that we uh, celebrate our holidays. But there's holidays in Scripture that God teaches us about that I want to know about. I want to live according to this scripture. I want the word to be alive inside of me. So most of the original holidays commanded by God were structured around the farmer's crop. So most of the things in the Jewish custom, in their calendar, was uh, it revolves around the, the feast. And there's different uh, uh, holidays that we'll learn about that deal with different things about uh, the harvest and things. And always the, the beginning of their year ends or begins in around September. And their calendar's different than ours, so they don't have January, February, March, April, May, June, July, August, September, October, November, and December. They don't have those months. They have different months. And their beginning of, it's weird because their months, like the first month, is actually about in March or April on our calendar. But the beginning of their year is in the seventh month. They don't even start their year off with day one on being day one of the calendar. It starts in the seventh month. It's kind of strange. It's hard to get our mind around that, but it's how much different than what we are accustomed to and what we've been trained to believe and equipped to believe all of our life about holidays. I want us to see what Scripture says about these days. And the Jewish calendar is a little bit different than ours. We're uh, the Gregorian calendar. It's what we go by in America that we live in today. But God's uh, calendar is different than ours. It's so much different than and, it, and looking at this from this perspective that his calendar and his way of doing things is so much different than ours. Think about how much different his plans are than ours. Amen. That he is his ways are past finding out, and they're they're. Uh, uh, it's just amazing to think about how much different 
we actually live our lives according to what God's plan was for our life. There's a, there's a gulf between the two. And I would like to bring us over to God's side rather than trying to get God to come over to our side. Amen? We don't need to ask His blessing on our holidays. We need to celebrate according to His holy days. Amen? And learn about Him. And I'm not saying this to be legalistic, so don't take this to mean that I want everybody in this room to become Jews. I don't want us to get bound with that and, you know, have to grow out our, our beard hairs right here. The, 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 it says that they can't shave their uh, sideburns. That's the reason you see the Jews over there against the welling roll. they got the little twirly things coming down the side of their face because they're not allowed to shave this because the Talmud tells them not to. And, the, and actually in Levit Leviticus, it tells them not to shave this right here. So I think Greg would look funny with little squirrely gigs hanging out off the side of his face. I mean, it'd be cute and everything. Jason, I think you'd look really good with some little twirlies coming down there. Maybe put a little pink bow in it. I don't know. It'd be good. But there's some of these things in here that's just, you know, I don't want us to get caught up in, because I've saw churches before that start studying Judaism and Jewish history, and they get caught up in it, and they start binding people according to it. And I don't want us to be in bondage. Amen? I want us to be in liberty. I want us to be in freedom. And I want us to know what God's Word says. So uh, the first of the holidays, as we read in, in uh, Leviticus chapter 23, it says, The Lord said to Moses, So to study the history of this and to know where we're at in Leviticus chapter 23, we know the story of the children of Israel that Moses went back into Egypt and he called to Pharaoh and said, let my people go. He gets them, he leads them out. They rebel against God, right? And when uh, the whole nation rebels against God, then God says, okay, you're going to spend 40 years in the wilderness. You're going to be in this wilderness experience where that you're separated and you're living in a desert. Now how awesome would that be? How many would like to go out and live in the middle of, of, of Egypt, even over today? And if you don't believe me that it's a desert, go on Google Earth and zoom in on, on Egypt. You can look at it, and it's green. Then there's big splotches of just brown, crisp, dry dirt. It's crazy. And, and sometimes there's uh, droughts in America that we'll see a drought happen. And whenever uh, a drought happens, uh, uh, crops won't grow. Farmers get scared. Tommy Bivens will get freaked out if there's no rain, if there's a drought, if there's no rain. And these people, the children of God, they lived in a desert for 40 years. And I've seen a few droughts throughout my lifetime, and, and farmers get scared whenever a drought happens. They, they start to panic and say, oh, no, what am I going to do? This is my livelihood. This is how I'm going to feed my animals. This is and it's and, and bad garden years. Dad gets tore up. You know, he puts all that work into gardening. And he goes out there and plants and he tills the ground up and he discs it and he, he runs a rotor tiller through it and he just makes it where it just does all this hard labor's work and he'll get down there and plant all these rows and he actually ties a string to both ends and makes sure they're just absolutely perfect and you know if I was growing a garden I'd just go down through there and just kind of get it the best I could. He's got a string on two stakes down in the ground and plants right according to that string so that they're absolutely perfect. And they have to be the perfect distance apart that when it grows that he can run his rotor tiller between it twice and it don't tear down the plants. He thinks ahead that much to it. This is a lot of preparation he puts into his gardening. He loves it. And during a drought year, during a year where there's no rain, you don't get no harvest. These children of Israel had lived through this for years. And actually when this is written, uh, Leviticus chapter 23, it's about the 39th year of that 40-year uh, travel in the wilderness. So here, think about it this way. 
And, and Moses had heard from God several times, and God had spoken to Moses multiple times about things. But this verse starts off, or this chapter starts off, where the Lord said to Moses. And I just wonder for us, how many times and seasons of drought have we had in our spiritual lives where that we haven't heard from God? How long has it been since you heard the voice of God like it awakened you in the middle of the night or it spoke to you, the, the Spirit of God spoke to you and you knew it was Him and, and He told you to go a certain direction or go talk to somebody or, or don't go down that road or he, he, he equips us, he, he goes before us and He prepares a way and the Spirit of God speaks to us and He's alive and well today. Some churches believe that God can't speak to you anymore. But I believe that He's still alive. Amen? That Jesus arose from the dead. He, he didn't die and stay in the grave. He came out of the grave. And He went on to heaven to still. And He said, I won't go away and leave you comfortless, but I'll send the Holy Spirit to be your comforter. And He'll be your guide. And He'll, be, he'll call all, cause all things to come to remembrance of the things you've seen and heard. I thank God for the Holy Spirit and what He does. And that's what allows us to have holy days. So as we think about this, that, that the Lord said to Moses, God's no respecter of persons. Romans chapter 2 verse 11 says, For with God there's no respect of persons. He don't care more about me than He does Marky. He don't care about, more about Marky than He does Albie. He cares about us all the same. And if the Lord said something to Moses, He will say something to us. Amen. He will speak to us and let us know this is the right way. That's the wrong thing to do. Go this direction. And we need to heed his voice. And it says, the Lord said to Moses. This is a powerful thing. And it, it just it emboldens me to think that if God talks to them, he will talk to us. He's got a way for us. And his way is right. And, and, and it's, it's the correct way. It's the best way. So as God spoke to Moses, how long has it been since he spoke to you? Ask your neighbor, say, you, you talk to God lately? Did he talk back? See, most of the time our prayers are that we're telling God everything that's wrong in our life when sometimes we just need to shut up. You ever been in one of them conversations where the other person's doing all the talking? I don't even think it's a conversation. <laughs> Amen? If they're doing all the talking and you can't get a word in edgewise, that's not a conversation. That's a lecture. Amen. And God sometimes is sitting up in heaven and he's sitting there waiting on us to shut up so he can speak to us. So sometimes when you're praying, it's not just about like, well, God, this is wrong and I can't believe that's wrong and this has happened to me and my life is pitiful and I wish you'd fix everything and just keep going on and on and on and he's sitting there just shut up and I'll tell you what to do. So sometimes we need to listen. Look at your neighbor and say, how long has it been since you shut up long enough for God to talk? <laughs> this is true about prayer lives, I'm telling you. It's absolute truth. So the Lord said to Moses, so apparently Moses had come to a point where he had to shut up to hear from God. Amen? But then I love this next part. Give the following instructions to the people of Israel. This is New Living's translation. Think other tra translations say, speak to. The Lord spoke to Moses, and he says, speak to the children of Israel. When God speaks to you, what are you to do with that word? You're to pass it on. You're to take it out into your community. 
And a lot of these sermons that we come and hear and we hear God and we feel God and we sense God and the presence of God at a church service, at a Sabbath day celebration that we're living, whenever we receive this word and are encouraged by this word, we aren't to bottle it up and hold it back and think, wow, that really made my life better. We're to take this word and go out into the streets to the people we come into contact with and explain to them about the goodness of God. Amen, that, that there's a rest for your soul. And people in the troubled world that we live in today, people need to hear that God has a rest for their soul. So when you hear a sermon, don't just bottle it up for yourself, but go back out and say, God, I want to spread your word. When the Lord spoke to Moses, he told Moses to speak to the people. So when God speaks to you, we are to speak to the people outside of these walls. This sermon isn't just for us. It's for everybody that everybody in this room can touch. And the cool part is, is, is you know, the last uh, several weeks I've been going down to Orangeburg uh, Assembly of God Church. The church had some problems and some issues, and, and they actually had a, it was basically like a church split, but it was a church split that was amazing, really. I've seen a lot of church splits that got ugly and got mean and got bitter and all this stuff, but this church that, that, that kind of separated and went in different directions done it in a, in a very graceful way. And I thank God for it because it, there is sometimes that we go on different journeys and God calls people to go different directions, and that's okay. Because one group might go win this group of people and another group go win these other people. Amen? And sometimes He will let us part ways, but that doesn't mean that we are to not love each other anymore. And I love it because this church is, is now their pastors went and left and, and going to start a new church down in downtown Maysville from Orangeburg. So they're going to be in downtown now. And this church, they didn't have nobody to come and preach. And the, and the assembly, uh, our president called and he said, would you care to go down because you was associate pastor there for a while? Would you care to go down and preach to the people at Orangeburg? And you know what I could have said? No, not really called to do that, I don't believe. I don't feel like I'm supposed to do that. I'm pastoring Bethesda. I don't have time for that. But what did I, I just sat there for a minute and I thought, you know what? Why not? Because how would I want somebody to treat Bethesda if you didn't have a pastor anymore? And the thing we're to do is to do what we would wish others would do to us. Amen? So as I go down there, I've been going down there for the past several weeks before Bethesda, Vanceburg campus. So I'm driving to Orangeburg, I preach there, come back to Vanceburg, preach there, and then come here. So three the exact same sermons in the same day. Now, the impact that I used to just have in Vanceburg campus people and the people they touched and the Kentucky Heights people and the people you touch, now this same sermon is going to be talked about in Fleming County and Mason County. All we've got to do is be obedient to what God tells us to do. And does it make me more tired? Absolutely. It's, it's harder to get up an extra hour early and travel an extra 25 or 30 minutes farther past Vanceburg campus than what we normally do. And Leslie's got to drive an extra vehicle and it's costing us gas money and all this other stuff. But you know what? When I get in heaven someday and some little kid comes up and says, because you went and the church stayed open and I saw those little kids come in Orangeburg Church down there, it's worth every bit of it. When I speak... When God speaks to me, do I pass it on to others? These sermon series, I pray about this. 
I hold back, and I, I don't, it's not just something that I, I take for granted or I just take nonchalantly. This is something I believe God has speaks to our church. And I believe it speaks to our community. And I believe right now that, that the place we're at right now, the main thing I want out of this sermon series is about the rest. It says up here on the screen, a gift of rest. What if God's gift to you this holiday season was a gift of restoration? Or that your soul got rest. Not your physical body, but your inner working person. Who you truly are. That it's a rest down deeper than any rest you've ever known. I pray that that's the gift we receive. Is the gift of restoration. And this sermon series is all about that. God's plans are better than ours. And if he's got a Sabbath day for us, and if he spoke to Moses, he'll speak to us. And when he spoke to Moses and he told him to speak to the people... And then it goes on to say, These are the Lord's appointed festivals, which you are to proclaim as official days for holy assembly. You have six days each week for your ordinary work. Everybody say, that's ordinary. Ordinary work. Just your regular work. You know what? Work's no fun. Some work's fun. I've, I've had some jobs that I enjoyed, but it was still work. And sometimes when I sweat and I work harder, that's the better work. Amen? That's the more enjoyable work. So as God's telling them here, that's your ordinary work. But on the seventh day, it's a Sabbath day to complete rest, an official day for holy assembly. It's the Lord's Sabbath day, and it must be observed wherever you live. And people had some, like I said, you know, they, they tripped Jesus up. One time Jesus was out doing ministry. It's Matthew chapter 12, and he's going along, and, and, and there's this guy that's uh, pretty bad shape, and, and Jesus uh, speaks to him and tells him, uh, take up your mat and walk. It's on a Sabbath day. And the Jewish people got all tore up, and it's like, what? I can't believe what's wrong with you, Jesus. You can't heal on the Sabbath. It's a Sabbath day. You can't work. Jesus was like, are you kidding me? This guy's been sick and laying on a mat and begging for very, his very food to survive for 12 years, and you're going to tell him that I can't speak to him and have him to get up? We can get so entangled in, in bondage in our religions that we won't even know Jesus when he shows up. And it's scary to me. And I want these holy assemblies, and the reason we need to know these words and the words in this book is so that we know the true Jesus when he shows up. And Jesus said these words, I loved it, that he said, you know what? Because he was out in the field another time in another text. He was out in the field, and he's traveling along, and his disciples got hungry, and he, he took wheat, and he began to break it, and they, they, they ate uh, some of the fruit that was on the, on the vine there. And, and, and the Pharisees were standing there looking, well, what are you doing? Take it. You can't get stuff off the vine on a Sabbath. Jesus like, we're hungry. Come on, man. McDonald's is open on Sundays. Why? Because people get hungry. Because in Judaism, you're not even allowed to open your restaurant on, Friday, on, the, on the Sabbath. Jesus said this. He said, man wasn't made for the Sabbath, but the Sabbath was made for man. And the reason God rested on the seventh day was because he knew how we are that we never take a step back. That we hardly ever, as humans, we're always 
We're always chasing the next thing and going forward and week after week and month after month and year after year. We never slow down to take it all in. And God said, I created these people and I want them to have a rest. So he rested on the seventh day because he created us in his image. And he said, I'm going to give you rest. I'm just wondering if there's anybody in this room that needs rest. That needs the peace of God that passes all understanding. If there's anybody here that needs restoration for your soul, does it feel like that you're overwhelmed, that you can't take it anymore, that it seems like life is just too hard? I believe this is a day where God is speaking to us, but not only us. He's going to let the people in this room take this word and carry it throughout our communities. So this week, I hope and pray that you come into contact with somebody They'll say, man, I'm just wore out. These holidays are wearing me out. I'm getting tired. And you can say, I heard at church this weekend that God created rest. And he wants to restore you. He wants to give rest to your soul. And I pray when those words that you speak, that they are life. The Bible says that the power of life and death is in the tongue. And when you speak, speak life to dead, dry, burdened people. Won't you stand? We need rest even more now, quite possibly more than we've ever known. God didn't create holidays to stress you out. But make a time of restoration to allow you to come back to understand your full potential. In the consumerism world, the culture that we live in today, especially in America, holidays are polluted so much that people don't enjoy them. They don't enjoy their time with their family because they're stressing about what they were supposed to get everybody. As a church family, let's commit to this teaching series and to learn from God's holy word how to conduct ourselves during the holy seasons of our life. I don't know about you, but my family's a train wreck most of the times. I've been to Christmas, I've been to Thanksgiving dinners that people got in arguments. Amen? I've been to Thanksgiving where that there was division amongst family, that it was just chaos, pain. I've been to Christmas where we're supposed to be celebrating the birth of Jesus and be like it's Jesus' birthday and this is a good thing and I'm going to give you gifts to show you how much I love you and cherish you and, and everybody gets tore up about those gifts so much that, that whenever you start opening them, you're looking around and see what everybody else has got and did I get ripped off? Amen? Probably more so as kids. But Nana, I wanted the blue shirt. You got me a green one. It's crazy, and it's just not what I wanted. And I told you I had to have that special one, and you didn't get it for me. And it's just awful. It's Christmas, and this is terrible. A holiday is supposed to be a day of rest, a day of enjoyment, a day where we're celebrating Jesus, and we've turned it into being all about us. And God wants to call us back to say, these holidays are holy days. 
I just like to ask anybody in the room, is there anybody here to just raise your hand and say, I want some restoration? I want some rest. I'd like for God to give me to restore me, to take me back to what I'm my full potential of what I'm supposed to be. Amen. Give us rest, God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. Lord, we rejoice in the joy of our salvation. God, I pray for every person here, Lord, if they've not accepted you as their Savior. God, I pray today that this message may have spurred them or, or inspired them, God, to, to finally make a decision to start following after you. And God, I pray for all those people here that raise their hand. Lord, that are saying that I'm burdened down with this life, that the cares of this world has overwhelmed me. And Lord, we need rest for our soul. And Lord, that you can restore us to a point where that we can do, we can do great things and mighty exploits in your name, Jesus, when we're in tune with what you want us to do. God, I pray for restoration over every person here. Lord, that you would just restore the years that the canker worm stole away from them, just as your word said. Lord, that there's so many things that the enemy has come in and taken away from our life. Lord, that he tries to waste our lives but God we pray today restore all those years God bring back everything and everything that the enemy has stolen from us God I pray that he has to bring it back sevenfold just as your word declares God that he has to restore those things back to the lives of the people in this room help us to do everything you want us to do during this holiday season God make us holy people peculiar people God Set us apart so that the world will know that you are king, that Jesus, that you are worthy. Leslie, won't you just sing a little bit of that? Everybody, just please just sing. Sing along with her. Let this bring rest to your soul. If you're burdened down, just sing.
to the altar the father's arms are open wide forgiveness was bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ Amen to read this scripture Matthew chapter 11 Jesus said come unto me all you are weary and are heavy laden and I will give you rest take my yoke upon you let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy to bear and the burden I give you is light We was pretty blessed this morning at Vanceburg campus. There was a, a brother that was in from Florida, and he came to our church service because of Sister Jennifer that was here a few weeks ago. She attends his church most of the time, and it's an Anglican church. It's pretty cool. I was like, you know, not often do you see that churches cross denominational lines. The people don't get along very good, but... Corinthians, Paul said, let there be no divisions among you. I, play, I think churches ought to join together. Amen? For the good of all. We're all under the banner of Jesus Christ. And this Anglian minister, he's a, it's basically like an off-branch of Catholic, but it was taken over by the Church of England. And John Wesley was basically the reformer that took on all this. So uh, it was amazing getting to see, hear him stand up. And he, he asked if he could speak a word over our congregation and this is a guy from Florida he's never been to Bethesda knows nothing about Bethesda other than Jennifer Smith come here a few weeks ago and told him he said can I come and speak a word over the church and as a pastor it's my role the Bible says to guard you know to know those that labor among you but if sister Jennifer Smith texted us and said he's a man of God I trust it. And he stood up this morning and spoke over us. And he, he prayed over Bethesda as a congregation that we would become more of a restoration church of people with broken lives. That this would be a place of grace and of peace. And when he prayed over us, it's just like, God, that's who we're called to be. And I pray for restoration. And first people in your family that you know that are addicted to drugs, alcohol, whatever, that, they've, that they're bound by anything that this world throws at them. Let's go back into evangelical mode and try to get people in the house of God and to see them set free and liberated by God. I believe he'll meet them. Amen. They don't even have to come to church. You can speak words yourself. And you can see people saved right on the streets. They don't have to come here to get saved. I pray we are a restoration movement just as that guy prayed. Leslie's got it downloaded or on video. She's going to upload it on Facebook. So anybody on Facebook, please watch it. And just listen to the words he spoke because it's amazing. 
And I think, I think he was sent by God for such a time as this in our church. This holiday season. And the exact thing he's preaching in Leviticus right now. And he said he sat there to the, whole, to the whole service and said, Really, God? You don't never hear sermons in Leviticus. It's, it's one in a million, I'm telling you. Nobody preaches about Leviticus. You, am I telling the truth, Greg? You don't hear it. It's just amazing that God linked us up at this moment in time. I think it's intentional. So the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. We'll be up front to pray with you, anybody that needs special prayer. Love God, love people. Go and see lives restored this week of everybody you come in contact with.